0: Hi, and welcome to part one of two of my uh, incredible conversation with uh, our speaker, trainer, coach, consultant, networker, and connector, James Porritt. Uh, In this uh, episode, he shares with us his journey growing up as an anomaly, a medical miracle, stress management and conflict resolution, and finding yourself. And so without further ado, let's get stuck into this inspiring journey with James Porrit. Yeah, thank you very much, James, for uh, agreeing to come and and speak to us on this uh, business mindset podcast. So it's uh, it's it's good to uh, capture you know a vast uh, range of people's stories from uh, from all over. So you know you've got a, a miracle story to share with us, which is which is which is great. So looking forward to it so um I, I thought um initially we'll just start by um if you could just take us through your your journey from from the beginning as as a sort of uh, uh you know set us into uh the, the detail and uh, and and what uh, life has been like for you from humble beginnings so sort of set the scene, and then we can pick up bits as we go along
1: Sure. No, thank you. First of all, thank you for uh, your time. Thank you for this opportunity. You know, I'm grateful for Sharon Griffiths for connecting us. Yeah, um, I think gratitude is so important. I'm going to share some specific information about my life, my journey, what's worked for me, and um, potentially there might be some uh, knowledge there which will help you, or inspire you, or impact your life in some way. But all I I know nothing. Um, I, I believe that. No one can know enough to be a pessimist or an optimist or a cynic or mm. a cynic. And uh, I'm a full-time student. I'm just constantly learning. And uh, sometimes I teach other people some things, but really I wish I had someone like me 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I yeah. wish I'd written a book that my younger self could have had. So I didn't make all the stupid mistakes that i made my whole life. And oh God, <laughs> cause problems because um, it's, is looking back but that which was sent to destroy me has become my greatest strength i've been able to turn my poison into my medicine and there lies a blessing so as a disclaimer i'm so grateful for what i'm going to share i don't have any anger no animosity no regrets because we can't hate the parts of us or the past that has brought us here because we've got to learn to love ourselves accept ourselves and all part of ourselves and when we're able to do that that's when true growth happens and i've learned it's got nothing really to do with business or success or making money that's just a byproduct of allowing ourselves to be us and acting in our true power so i hope that uh makes sense to you alex
0: yeah abs- absolutely it does make sense and i'm sure it will resonate with a lot of our listeners as well so yeah it it'll, would it'll be, it'll be, it'll be great for you to share that with us mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, um, let me, um, do you want me to start with the end or the beginning?
0: The, the beginning. So take us through the journey. So the beginning and uh, ease us through the, the process and everything that uh, you've gone through.
1: All right, cool. So I'll give you a short version. And, uh, I suppose if people like this, then we could delve into it more yeah. later. So My name is James Porritt from East London. And, um, growing up, my parents said to me, get a good education, get a good job get a car get a house get married you'll have a happy successful life i'm sure a lot of people have heard that right alex
0: yeah absolutely absolutely
1: yeah i tried all of them i failed at everything <laughs> and, uh, yeah so i felt a failure like most of my life grew up uh, didn't really fit in anywhere and uh, there were a lot of different things social settings i wasn't very confident i didn't feel comfortable mum and dad are from sri lanka i love them to bits they've done the best for me with what they could with what they had but unfortunately their knowledge and skills and expertise were limited and they didn't have access to the information knowledge that we have today so because of that, i was programmed with information that wasn't serving me and ultimately we all have beliefs but where do our beliefs come from all i know is that my beliefs aren't my own they're programmed into me from my parents my family my friends uh, school education government we're programmed to live in a certain way so um that caused a lot of problems growing up uh lack of self confidence lack of self belief lack of self esteem um not really loving myself and not understanding how to communicate effectively and that caused a lot of problems but it's just not being aware of myself and surroundings around me and this caused a lot of problems because if we got conflicting beliefs within ourselves then it's going to be very difficult to live a conducive life and to progress, because if we've got conflicting thoughts, beliefs and feelings, and we have questions and things don't make sense, then it's going to cause an issue. And growing up, I'd be very curious child, and I'd get shut down all the time, stop asking silly questions, or why are you asking questions, Um, be seen, not heard. And all these things, I was forced to operate in a way that other people were, whether it was conducive to me or not, whether that was my mode of operation or not. And that's what a lot of people go through, unfortunately, because people don't know any better. So because of that, it caused a lot of health challenges. I've suffered anxiety, i suffer suffered with depression, and um, basically trying to be something that I'm not. Failed diversity. university, um, failed at my, a levels as well and it was just a path of failure 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 but I remember going back to my a-levels I do math, physics and biology and I failed all of them but there was a sense of peace because I knew that I should not have been doing that but I picked it because my friend told me and he'd done it and <laughs> to people who have no idea about us <laughs> about our lives and at that age they don't have any idea about themselves but they do some things that work for them and we're comparing ourselves to other people and That's we're other not- mm-hmm. this is life instead of our own. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew my A levels, I picked those courses and like should have done something creative because really creative. But I failed and when I got my results, I was expecting it anyway. And then I remember one of my friends, she was um wanting to do medicine and she got um a c and some d's and she was really upset she was distraught and i showed her my paper and i got all ease and i said look and then she was so confused and it was crazy <laughs> and it kind of confused her in that moment she didn't feel so bad and i realized something in that moment i realized in that moment that my gift my purpose was to spread light to other people of hope yeah. Yeah. because I've got something really bad. And I was actually happier than her because when I was in the exams, I let go. I was at peace knowing, you know what? This isn't my path. This isn't my purpose. And it's okay. And um, she was really confused. And I had a life moment then. And then um, I'd uh, applied to universities, didn't get to one of my choice, Uh, got to another university in London, done a foundation course in computer science, which I shouldn't really have picked. But it was easy. I passed it. Uh, went on to the university of my choice to do computer science and done it for one semester and realized I I can't cope with this, the maths, the science, how it works inside. It was too much for my simple mind Mm. and left feeling like a failure. And that really destroyed me. I went into depression and, um, I'd, uh, seen something to do with multimedia design, which is about creativity. And that really spoke to my soul, try to get onto the course, um, and The lecturer at the time wouldn't let me on. He said, take a year off and see if you like it. I met someone during that summer, um, one of my first girlfriends, uh, my first girl, no, one of my first girlfriends. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was really shy when I was at school. I remember I went to an all boys school and um, there was an all girls school across the road. And if I was walking to school and one of the girls was on the same side of the road as me, I'd cross over. I was so shy. (laughs) It was ridiculous. And then obviously that's changed now, I'm not the same now. Now yeah. I talk to the girls and I get in trouble. Um, <laughs> uh, that's a whole different topic. That's a whole different podcast. I'm not going to go into that. Yeah. Um, got to university and, um, got to do multimedia technology design done two years and then took a placement near couldn't find the work, um, broke up with my girlfriend and then had another relationship, had a car accident, 2003. I remember actually, I forget all about all this stuff It's coming back to me now. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Alex. Because th- all these memories I've forgotten about. Uh, <laughs> um, I, it was New Year's Eve, two thousand and two. New Year's Day, two thousand three. Finished work at next at Brent Cross. I live in East London. Went out uh, for the night. I was actually drinking and driving, so don't judge me. Don't do that, please. But um, I was driving back. I left West London mm-hmm. around five o'clock, or yeah, in the morning to get back home, have a shower, and get back to Brent Cross at 10 o'clock, which, looking back now, that's a suicide mission. If I speak yeah, yeah. To myself, don't do it, just call in sick. But um, on the way back home, I kept falling asleep. I put the windows down all the way to keep me awake, the music blasting, mm-hmm. and got to East London. I was on one, one of the flyovers, and I fell asleep. And yeah. I, woke up, I woke up when I hit one of the... Um, uh, side reservations, and it was like I don't know 30 feet up in the air. Luckily, Roxholm mm-hmm. Cavalier, which is a strong car, if it was small, I would have flipped over. And it was a scariest thing. It was like I woke up with a pack of lions, I didn't have any time wow. to respond or re- react. Across both lanes again, and then went to the other side. Luckily, there was no cars at that time in the morning, it was about six o'clock in the morning. Crashed into the other reservation and came to a halt. It was like a ping pong machine. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was in shock, uh, woke up and then walked behind to pick up my front bumper from the road, which I left behind. And, um, mm-hmm. there, he was more shocked than I was. See if I was okay. And by the grace of God, um, I didn't even have a scratch on my finger. And wow. I actually <laughs> wasn't even wearing a seatbelt because I didn't like wearing seatbelts at the time. So again, wear seatbelts, please. But to go through that, um, I'll share something in a second. And, um, it was just shocking. I was still alive. Then the police came, the police breathalyzed me, and mm. um, I'd been drinking as well, so I was nervous. So I didn't breathe the first time properly, I didn't yeah. the second time properly. And they said, This is your last chance if you don't breathe properly, you're going to take you down the station. Yeah. So breathe properly, and it was greed. And I was so shocked because i had been drinking, <laughs> even the police officer was shocked because he could smell the alcohol off me. He said, You've been drinking, how much have you drank? I yeah. said, I had a little bit of whiskey and a little bit of Bailey's last night, and I yeah. said, Brexit's been done. And I lied. I lied. I'm not condoning lying. I'm so sorry. I'm public. It's all coming. I've I about all of this. Oh, my God. Yeah. I lied. But he was shocked because he could smell the alcohol. And I passed it. And I was like, my heart was breaking. I think uh, my heart was breaking and it was beating. I think the adrenaline must have um, sobered me really quickly. my so dear. <laughs> but it's crazy looking back. I forgot about this story. Yeah. So basically... um the police officers left. Um, then they had the high patrol way come and then they had to take my car away. Now this is where it got shocking. Mm. When I stopped the car. I was still in fifth gear and I was going about 60, 70 miles an hour. I was speeding as well. I committed all the crimes about, Oh my God. <laughs> so, um, um, they came to pick the car, but they couldn't tow it. And um, they literally had to get a crane and pick up the car because up, yeah. yeah, the wheels were smashed in the um, back wheels were smashed. And then my mom was calling me to come pick her up to take her to church and uh, first of the uh, first day of the year. And I had to say to her, listen, I've had to park up the car, I'm coming home and I can't take you to the work. I, I went home, had a shower and it was so surreal. And I went straight uh, back to work because I didn't want to stay at home. Because if I stayed at home, my mom would want me to pick up the car. She'd ask me questions and it still didn't feel real to me, didn't feel real. Mm-hmm. Um, had a shower, told my girlfriend, went into work, told them what happened. And when I told them, they were like, wow, it's surreal. They said, you should be at home. I said, I don't want to be at home because I said, i start thinking about it. I said, I just need to keep myself occupied.
0: Yeah.
1: Days later, I went with my mom to come pick up the car. When my, uh, I think the pictures, I lost all the pictures. My mom saw the picture of the car. She broke down in tears. And it was, when I saw it, I was like, wow, God was with me that day. And people were saying, oh my God, that's a bad start to the year. I'm like, that's the best start to the year possible. i blessed. I'm grateful to be alive. Mm-hmm. And then story, what I learned from that story is perspective. We could be going through something. The rest of the world uh, could see it's easy. We could see it's impossible. But likewise the rest of the world could be thinking it's unlucky i thought it's un- i thought it's lucky who's right who's wrong it's all about the beliefs i saw myself as lucky and i saw myself as grateful and that really helped me but when i looked at the car i didn't have my seatbelt on i was asleep so i wasn't uh, anticipating the accident and i didn't have any apprehension and i didn't have jet lag- uh, jet lag i didn't have whiplash i didn't have anything and i woke up i was fine i've seen people die for less and it's like yeah. i still can't explain that to this day i know that god has been with me so um that year i was working at next and then went back to university next year couldn't finish the final year i, I was just depressed i was in debt um i didn't know what i wanted not do i didn't know who the hell i was and i left that came back home felt like a failure this is around 2003 2004, no, 2004 came back felt like a failure went in deep dark depression i was there for about two years and um it wasn't a good time i was working at barclays for a year whilst i was working at the next i was working seven days a week i was working at barclays monday to friday working at the next saturday and sunday at barclays i was working for pension and mortgage complaints in the office and people that have got mortgages in the 80s um, they would lost a lot of money, and it was just a negative environment, and it was really getting me down. I was making lots of money, but I was depressed. And eventually, mm-hmm. in two thousand and five, I came out of depression, and I don't know what happened. I just switched out of it, and I left my job. And people were telling me you had a good job; you should have stayed there. And I was like, "Well, if it's such a good job, I'll donate it to you. You can have it." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want it because people tell us to look at money, or you're making good money, but I wasn't happy. It wasn't my purpose. Yeah. I call him. And if you're doing something in life that doesn't fulfill you, just walk away. Try
0: something. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's only doing loads of different things that I didn't like doing that I finally found out what my calling and purpose and path was. Mm-hmm. So then, um, left that and that was 2005 and I was in a dark depression for a long time and I just kind of switched out I don't know what happened and then people thought I was on crack pain. they thought I was on drugs because imagine a spring if it's compressed for a long period of time and then it's let loose it just comes up so these are yeah. some and behaviors and I didn't understand psychology back then I didn't understand coaching I didn't understand personal development and my sister was studying psychology and she said you're bipolar she said one moment you're up one moment you're down we don't mm-hmm. have you but and I've seen uh, I went in to see counselors I went to see the GP they just want to put me on medication I didn't want to take it Um, uh, I went to see priests I saw all kinds of people and there was a stubbornness inside me which I didn't understand back then but now I realized that was whether you call your instinct intuition internal guidance system Holy Spirit God whatever you want to call it there was something inside me that wouldn't allow these people (coughs) to me what to do but I didn't understand it back then so obviously with mental health now and lockdown, it's important to understand these things, but I didn't back then and mental health wasn't a buzzword like it is now. You were mm. seen as a pepper and that's what kind of happened to me. So that was 2005. And then I went on a crazy one where I left home, I went to live in a hostel. I classified myself as homeless, stays in a hostel and I saw it as an exciting journey. I saw it as an adventure. I had loads of fun and it was like I was living my teenage years again because I did it as a teenager. and yeah. I. Met money i was spending there and then they put they housed me somewhere to live in walthamstow uh above uh, a betting shop and um i went to stay there there was no electricity and gas i didn't realize the previous people didn't pay it and i couldn't afford to pay it there was a plug socket outside the room so i had i forgot about all this stuff man um, and yeah. uh, extension cable coming to the room good
0: to bring it all back but...
1: yeah 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 I had extension cable coming in i had my lamp there i had my computer and my kettle there was no hot water so i was staying there for about nine months during the winter time i was on job seekers so um i had the gym membership so i'd go to the gym in the morning to have a shower And because i have a shower i'd work out as well so i lived in that flat for nine months with no hot water no gas no electricity no lights nothing and <laughs> uh, look at the thing is i say it like that it actually wasn't a memory it was actually a really fun memory and it was like an exciting adventure yeah. and I resourceful it. It, it taught me resilience and i've done a lot of crazy stuff i actually put myself in harm's way a lot of the times and looking back now it, it's crazy it's like my god if i went back to my younger self it's like what the hell are you doing <laughs> again i was i was trying to express myself because i suppressed my life and my yeah. mom, i love them to bits but they've done the best for me that they could but i wasn't supposed to live the normal life
0: mm
1: a nine-to-five job i was supposed to live something i didn't realize at the time and as i'm speaking now all these realizations are coming to me and i'm remembering things i've forgotten about so thank you alex thank you sharon really bringing up things in me i've forgotten about Mm -hmm. so um that was a crazy period where i went on spending a lot of money and then i got a job working as a security guard in um uh marks and spencers in High uh, street which was rough back then not like what it is today and uh, working there for about a year and a half uh, living at my place in east london and then um i remember one hot summer day um because loss prevention uh, you can't you have to give people the opportunity to pay for their god goods and leave the store before you do anything yeah Sun, one summer day um, I saw this guy who was basically had a hot jacket on and it was hot in the morning. You're not going to walk around with a hot jacket. So I know this guy was doing something he wasn't supposed to do. Um, walked past the counters, asked the girls at checkout if he'd um, paid for it. Weird, yeah hadn't paid for anything. Walked out, called out after him three times. He carried on running. I chased him and basically went and grabbed him and he had some meat um to the value of like 25 pounds fall out of the jacket so he was (laughs) steady and then had him there detained and desperate people do desperate things he bit me on the arm whoa (laughs) i'm telling you guys crazy so i had to spin him around and um uh, detained him and kind of pushed him to the floor fell on his call one of my colleagues to come Uh, they helped get him over i left him I got injections done. They checked me for tetanus and all sorts. And after that, I realized, you know what? This security thing isn't for me. Um, yeah. Left that job, managed to get a job at Phones for You. I was there for about a year, had no sales experience, done really well. And I became a mobile troubleshooter where I'd go to underperforming stores. They could be doing 20, 30, 40% of target. Within three to five days, I'd move them to 150, 200% of target. And I didn't really realize what I was doing at the time. but um, it was just, I realized happy people work harder. And mm-hmm. when I went to the stores, stores, um, I went in, I was positive, And I said to them, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to listen to you and help you through target. Some of the stores I said, listen, the regional managers told me, you guys are really good. The rest of the region laughing, you. mockery, what's wrong? And they'll tell me and they figure out a way to get through it together. So I'd go in there early. And that's when I realized about leadership because mm-hmm. my region manager said, I can get there at 10 and leave at four. I'll get there at eight and I'll leave at seven. I wouldn't leave until we hit target. But I was working with them and for them. The previous manager was either in the back office or they were just demoralized. The team was demoralized. I went there. I was positive. I had good skills. I'd help them. I'd coach them. I'd guide them. And um, it got to a point where if there were underperforming stores that were spiking uh, figures, they knew I was there so my regional manager knew this about me but i developed certain skills but still i didn't really believe in myself and then my regional manager left we had another manager there who was um basically a bully and i wouldn't step down and i stayed there for longer than i should have done and then there was an incident which brought me into disrepute and i was a model um uh individual at the company I had a really good reputation and overnight that reputation was destroyed Um, I won't go into specifics now, but uh, I suppose that'll be in the book, but basically there was a phone stolen from the cage and I was implicated because I was the manager that day and they have a security team and they're basically all ex police officers and I was treated like a criminal and I went from being a role model there to being treated like a criminal and that destroyed my sense of self-confidence, self-belief and sense of self as well. And that, that really affected my mental health. I didn't realize at the time. Um, I felt I had to leave, so I left there, got another job working in the city and uh, basically in the property sector, I was working with people that were more skilled than me and it was working on the phones in the office. Previously, I was always face-to-face. I love being around people. Working in the office, I felt like a caged animal and it just destroyed my sense of confidence and self-belief. So I had to leave the previous job. I was running a business on the side. That fell apart. Relationship fell apart. Had to move home. It was just everything fell apart like a pack of cards and i was clinically depressed i didn't realize um friends were calling me to come out i wouldn't come out um i'd stopped um eating as much i'd gone down to eight stones i was renting my brother and his wife at a time and um i just wasn't happy i'd go to work come home with our family get-togethers i wouldn't leave my room you get these people scared of leaving the house i wouldn't leave my room i was in a really 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 dark place at my lowest point my mum and sister had come to the house one evening to see me uh, and they were coming up the stairs and I, they put the landing light on i didn't want them to see me i was skiing enough i went and hid behind the wardrobe this was 10 years ago that's not normal behavior for a two-year-old child let alone a grown adult and it was just not good my mum found me there she was in tears my sister swearing at me sort your life out because it wasn't just impacting me it was impacting everyone yeah. and that- don't realize with mental health there's so much stigma what there was stigma then now there isn't thankfully there's open discussions about it but people don't realize it It doesn't just infect the infect and the individual it infects and affects everyone that they're around and that's very very important to understand so i'd hit rock bottom and through the journey i was involved with network marketing and uh, there was lots of benefits with that but there was also i'd um Men, uh, Network Martin had uh, adversely affected my men- mental health as well and there's a number of reasons for that because I can get on stage now and I can speak I can get uh, some really good events I can speak in front of 5,000 people I can change people's emotional state but people feel good they don't know why they go away feeling good they don't know why and um, excitement motivation is important but if we don't have the correct guidance direction, skill set ability, and platform and mentorship to implement and execute, then ultimately it's only going to lead to frustration, disappointment, heartbreak, and shattered dreams. And if I have a room full of 5,000 people and they're all excited and hyped up, but they don't have the right skills, then when they go in the workforce and meet serious business people, they're going to get shot down. That's yeah. what to me. And if they don't have the skills, then what really do I have? I've got a room full of 5,000 chimpanzees clapping their hands. Yeah. It's yeah. not really going to serve any purpose. So. Having been positive is important, but what I realized is being overly negative is destructive. Being openly positive is destructive as well. We have to have the balance. It's yeah. all harmony. There's no good, no bad, no right, no wrong, no positive, no negative. There's no judgment. It's just being open to what is and allowing yourself to feel and learn the lessons. So that destroyed me around the same time. I was having a review of my manager at work and I really wasn't happy. And, um, I remember i couldn't get the words out and the next thing i know the paramedics are there asking my the name and date of birth i see these people in green clothing and i try to talk and i couldn't get the words out my tongue was hurting and i was sweating and they had to carry me up and i was moaning i didn't know what happened it's like i've been knocked out and what i didn't realize was that i'd had a grand mal epileptic seizure I bit my tongue blood was coming foam in the mouth my eyes rolled up like exorcists, my body was convulsing and I was gone for eight or nine minutes unconscious, which is life threatening. And I had those in quick succession, one at work, one at ambulance, one in hospital. And my manager was really pissed off because when the paramedics come, cause I was working in state agents, uh, they thought I was an estate agent. I was taking drugs. They didn't want to take me. And he forced them. He said, listen, this guy doesn't take drugs. He doesn't even drink. You need to take him. Took me to the hospital, put me in antelope drugs. I was knocked out for 24 hours. When I woke up, my dad was there. He was really scared. Uh, they knew I was depressed as well and no one could help me. And it was scary for them as well, but we didn't have the right information. I'm not epileptic. There was no history of epilepsy. They thought I'd OD'd on crack cocaine or heroin, but there was nothing in my blood. And I was a medical anomaly. I've had CAT scans, MRIs, EEGs, EECs, um, CAT scans, psychology tests. And it was always clear we drew that epilepsy and they were confused. If I'd listened to neurologist consultants and doctors, I'd be drugged up to my balls in bed as a zombie right now. So it's a very, very difficult journey for the last 15 years. I've had, um, 16 plus grand mal epileptic uh, seizures. Um, I'm an anomaly, I'm a medical miracle. And, um, that's what I want to share with people. What I've learned along the journey. Because um, through the journey, I became a personal trainer, looked at nutrition, looked at loads of different products. I've gone through about 10 different network marketing companies, trying different solutions, some worked, some didn't. I got radio presenting, got into public speaking, became a consultant. I looked at meditation, tai chi, acupuncture, cupping, uh, sound therapy, energy work, healing therapies, religion, all kinds of modalities. And I, lo- I learned a lot of cool stuff. Some things worked for a while, some things didn't, but ultimately my body kept falling apart and I couldn't understand it and no one could because I was unique and it's important to understand you need to be a research scientist for yourself and the key is you need to take personal responsibility. You need to reflect, you need to journal, you need to understand what works, what isn't working and you need to try an error and you need to use the path that other people have created but also you need to find your own way. And I'll share a little story to kind of illustrate this. Um, there was this young girl and her mum was cooking fish. And the mother cut the head and tail off. And uh, she said to the mother, why did you cut the head and tail off? She said, oh, that's what my mother did. So she went to the grandmother and said, why did you cut the head and tail off? She said, I don't know. That's what my mother did. So she went and asked the great-grandmother still alive, why did you cut the head and tail off? She said, well, sweetheart, in our days, the pots and pans weren't big enough, but they still do today. Why? They don't know. And it's a very poignant story because if we look at any religion, any tradition, any business, any structure, any organization, any community, there's usually a process there, but there was a reason for that process or that tradition or that culture at that point in time, that reason no longer exists. People still, why? They don't know. Because they follow the status quo, they don't question. You have to question everything, and it's important to understand that. And again, this is another true life uh, story. There was a car accident, and there were 35 eyewitnesses, and each eyewitness gave their statement and account to the police. Not a single one of them matched. Not a single one of them corroborated. But each and every single one was correct. Mm-hmm. How is it possible? Each person had their own position, their own standpoint, their own unique perspective and over a different period of time and they saw the event through their own emotional filters
0: yeah
1: much as like you can have someone at the bottom of the mountain and someone at the top of the mountain looking at the exact same object in the distance yet they may not see it the same if they in fact even see it at all the person at the bottom their view might be skewed by the branches the person at the top their view might be blocked by the clouds, but whether they can see or not, does not alter the fact that the object remains. It's about perspective. And I've realized if you look at a plane, when it's going through turbulence, it's not fun, is it?
0: No.
1: (laughs) You had a smile, you've been there. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, so it's not fun, it's scary, but when you come out, it's smooth sailing, but usually you go above the clouds, You're safe in the plane, but the cloud and the storm is still below you. That success is like a lot of the time we become successful, but we become detached from reality. We live in our own bubble. And I've seen that with very successful entrepreneurs and again, no judgment. There's no good, bad, right, wrong. But a lot of my business partners and mentors were arrogant, controlling, manipulative, narcissistic sociopaths that were gaslighting me. That's very dangerous. They weren't bad people, but they've been conditioned by what they know. And that's, of them, but vast majority. And I didn't realize this was triggered from my father who had these traits. And again, I love my dad. My dad loves me. He's not a bad person. So people talk about narcissists and sociopaths about being bad people. They're not bad people. And I've got so much compassion for them because they don't know what they don't know. And I was brought up Christian Catholic. I'm not religious at all. I don't allow religion to convolute my faith, but I understand what Jesus says on the cross. Forgive me father for they know not what they do they do yeah i've got great compassion for these people because they were my greatest teachers and they tried to help me but they didn't understand where i was coming from because i had empathy they didn't they lacked the empathy gene and it's sad seeing these people because they're destructive and then they feel sorrow and that was a pattern i had with my dad and because i didn't resolve this pattern with my father in childhood it kept repeating itself again and again and again with powerful mentors and business partners. Cause I was seeking their approval because I didn't get it from my father and I was seeking my approval from my father, from these business mentors, but I didn't realize it. And even now as I'm speaking, it's all coming together in my mind. So people yeah. are successful. They might've been successful 15, 20 years ago, which is great. But how is that serving people today? And a lot of time they're giving people solutions to problems that they don't have they're giving people solutions to problems that no longer exist they're equipped yeah. totally with a world and problems that no longer exist and that's very dangerous and so I'm broke i'm not unsuccessful at the bottom i'm not super successful at the top but i'm in the middle and i'm a bridge between worlds so i'm a super connector and a super networker and I know how to connect people because I have perspective. And this is my gift to the world. I didn't even realize this before. I only realized this in the last couple of days, but yeah. imagine you've got a car, you want to build it, you have to get all the parts together, right? You get the parts, you put it in the garage, the engineer, and the machine puts together the maintenance, people maintain it. You get your car, you drive it. Everyone's happy. Right? Yeah. Now, If you bring the parts and there's no engineer, there's no machine, there's no maintenance. What have you got? You have got a pile of junk, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's it. So I realized my gift in life is finding the parts whether it's business, friendship communities, but I don't find the parts, the parts find me. I don't understand how this works. Don't, ask me, but that's what happens. So in the past I'd have the parts, I'll bring it to these people, the engineers and the machines, they'll build a car and they'll drive off and they'll leave me on the curb. Mm. I'd made people millions before, but I was broke because I didn't believe in myself. I wasn't proud of myself. I didn't see myself as a person of value and influence, but successful people did and they exploited it. They didn't really exploit me. They treated me the way that I allowed them to yeah, understand that. But I didn't understand this back then. And I saw an energy reader many years ago because I was working with people in property and basically I found out they were corrupt. And this energy reader said to me, basically, you don't need a coach. You don't need You just need a friend. It's lonely taking on the whole world by yourself. And he said, you're a very powerful empath. It's very rare that I meet someone with your gifts, but no one's taught you how to harness and control these gifts and you haven't learned. And I didn't understand what an empath was back then, but I've come to realize an empath basically is a word that empathy is derived from. If we have empathy, we can feel and resonate and understand what other people feel. So an empath is an individual or entity that is hypersensitive that feels other people's energy. So I was feeling other people's energy, their joy, their happiness, their trauma, their fears. But I was so in tune that I was picking up other people's trauma, feeling as though it's my own and I wasn't able to tell the difference. And that's another reason why I was having the seizures. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't understand this back then and no one taught me. So I had to learn the hard way and luckily I'm still alive. Mm. So all these things were happening and I kept getting into business with people. And um, I kept getting abused because that was my pattern. That was one winning formula from childhood. And that was a way that I sought love and recognition, but I didn't realize this. Then I do a lot of work through psychology counseling and became a coach. And I started to understand myself and i realized along the journey, it's not about saving anyone else. It's about saving myself, yeah. myself transforming myself and my transformation will transform other lives. And as a coach before, when I became a coach, I was trying to save other people's lives and it was never about them. It was about myself. So it was toxic because I was projecting my needs, my desires, my agendas onto them. Coaches do this. Doesn't mean they're bad people. They're just not aware. So we have to be aware. That's very important. Mm -hmm. So Again, all these lessons were happening, but I was a slow learner and I've been to the seminars. I've read the books. There's only so much you can learn from seminars and books. I had, Mentors, as well, but it's a journey. And I said to one of my mentors a number of years ago, I said, Is pain the most effective teacher? He looked at me square in the eye and said, Hell no, but for some people, it's the only way. And I was one of those people. And um, what I realized was that what was interesting is there's another story here, as you can tell, a bit of a storyteller walking along, and he had a dog, and the dog was whining, whining, whining. And the passerby said, Why is your dog whining? Oh, he stepped on a nail, the paws on the nail. So why doesn't, uh, why doesn't he move? Why don't you do something about it? He said, oh, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt bad enough yet.
0: Mm.
1: And that's like us in life. I Mm. asked my clients, okay, have you had enough yet? Have you had enough pain? Yeah. We are addicted to pain. People don't realize that it's actually an addiction because it's our comfort zone. So we have to be aware and get that self-awareness. If we can't do that for ourselves, We have to have people around us that can do that for us. So again, the journey carried on going and because I haven't resolved the trauma within myself, I kept repeating the same patterns again and again and again in more difficult and more powerful and more painful ways. Mm -hmm. So in business, um, tried to leave the UK many times, uh, went to Australia in 2015 to do business, didn't work, end up coming back again. Uh, My girlfriend at the time, an amazing uh, lady. She could see that other people were using me and breaking me down. And she said, these people, they're not your friends. They don't care for you. Uh, but I couldn't see it. And in the end, that relationship broke apart for a number of different reasons. Again, that's another topic for another day. I can coach our relationships just for from that. She taught me to a lot and she taught me basically a lot of the things that were destructive in my life, and we projected on each other. But through that relationship, that's what turned me from a boy into a man. And um, I had another uh, set of seizures then in 2014. And um, again, I was working for a company. Um, I think we're going to need longer. I'm just going to keep it short. I need to uh, complete the book because this is all going to be the book. And um, I was working, trying to build a business, working, trying to build a business and kept falling apart, trying different things, not working. And then fast forward, um, I was um, working in property in 2017. I got connected to someone else. And then uh, we took equity out of mum and dad's house, put that in a project that put a lot of stress and pressure on mum and dad. And I was just taking crazy risks, which were not necessary. And it, it put me at risk but it put my family at risk and everyone else. The house is safe, but, um, it was just unnecessary looking back, but I kept connecting with successful people. They kept coming back to me and I didn't realize the patterns, but it was a destructive path and I kept comparing myself to other people. And then, um, I kept connecting with very successful people and, um, but not understanding what was going on with me. And because I haven't resolved my issues, I was toxic. And I just found out recently um, a lot of people stayed connected with me because they saw value in me. And because they said to me, the feedback I get, you're pure spirit. You've got a good heart. You've got a big heart. Uh, we're concerned sometimes with the people that we've got around you. We question your judgment, but we trust you. We yeah. just trust the people around you. We don't trust necessarily the business opportunities connected with, you, but we trust you. So I am my brand and asset. And that's what kept me going over the years. And, um fast forward i was building 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 the seizure was still happening uh, we were in south of france in um uh, can in 2018 for a property event and basically uh, it was an amazing event anyone to do anything with property is there um there was a lot of wealth there four day event they generate more wealth in those four days than the whole of the Cannes film festival combined in three weeks so I was really connecting with very wealthy people that had yachts and all sorts. But, um, because it was like serial networking for like four days. Uh, when I was in a bar there, um, I had a seizure in front of, um, the lenders that we were having the event with, they thought I was, uh, on drugs and alcohol, but I wasn't, I made a very good friend there who was drinking water with me. I was rushed to the hospital and then I woke up, I was in a different country couldn't speak the language and I just knew how to get home, woke up, got a back, cab back to my apartment. I just lived for 14 hours, I was fine. And that friend that I connected with there, we're still friends today and we've become a really good connection. So I've connected with some amazing people through the darkest of adversities. And then um, I wanna rewind a little bit because there was another business I was involved with around 2016, um, I tried to get away again, gone to Trinidad and Tobago. Actually, I forgot about that. So rewind a bit to 2016. business yeah. I'd gone to Trinidad and Tobago, tried to do business out there. Didn't work. I ended up stranded on the island. A very good friend of mine that I was doing business with actually helped me to come back to the UK, still connect to them. And I'll come back to this at the moment because that's one of the individuals I'm working with now. And they helped me in my darkest moments. And then being at Tr- Trinidad and Tobago, I loved it out there. I loved the life. It was amazing. I got a taste of the dream life. But um, it didn't quite work out and then um, on the last night there basically um, I had uh, gone to a birthday party someone I met on the island and then I went back home went to the bar and then basically got back I was supposed to pack my stuff and I was supposed to be up at 6 o'clock to leave the island and I fell asleep and forgot to pack my stuff uh, i tell you it was crazy oh my god um, <laughs> I had to pack everything quickly got back uh, to the, because uh, I was taking a boat from Tobago to Trinidad and luckily they waited for me. I was the last person on that boat. Thank God. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, <laughs> got on the boat, went to Trinidad and got the plane back to the UK just about. But when I was on the island, it was beautiful. I was getting up about five o'clock in the morning, doing my work, finished about midday. Uh, went to the resorts made friends there and I was connecting people all over the world at night time I was going to the bar and not drinking but just dancing the music and coming back So it was it was a beautiful lifestyle for a very short space of time But came back to the UK I was in business as well now with this company that I was in business with I found out They were all corrupt and i would lost money time energy resources and you keep putting time and energy You think it's going to be the one you think your family but it's all BS. It's all corruption. And I was like, Oh my God. And then I connected with someone, had a few conversations and then met them in person at a restaurant. And basically when I met them, they said something that triggered me. And then I realized, um, what happened. And, uh, I just broke down in tears. I'd lost money. I lost time. I lost energy. I lost resources. I want to kill people. I couldn't, well, I could have done, but it's not going to serve me. And I, I was just, I was just on my knees. And this individual looked at me and he said, James, you should have been a millionaire 10 years ago. So I said, OK, then why aren't I? He said, You've got the wrong people around you. He said, The people around you, are, they're not elevating you, they're utilizing you, using you. You've got a big heart, you're pure spirit. He said, You're trying to help other people. You can't help yourself first. You need to get yourself in a good position first. He said, you give To give too freely. He said, Familiarity breeds contempt. You give privileges far too soon. You're not good at setting healthy boundaries. You're not good at setting healthy expectations. Other people don't live up to your high standards. They don't have your drive and determination. And, uh, when they don't, you don't communicate effectively. You get upset, you explode. He said, you're too emotional. He said, your ability to create is extraordinary. I've never seen anything like it. Your ability to destroy is just as good. If not better. He said, um, you're too temperamental. You think everyone's like you. They're not, he mm-hmm. said you've got poor judgment in people. I can't invest in you. your liability. Wow.
0: wow.
1: And people, they think of coaching, oh, it's fluffy and stuff, but I'm telling you, that is one of the most powerful bits of feedback I've ever got. Yeah. It was life saving. And all those weaknesses, I've been able to turn into my strengths now. It's taken a long time, but mm. trial, error, refining and reflection and repetition, I got there. Yeah. Wow. So I was grateful. So yeah. I, Realize, I found out after this individual, um, he was a former finance, uh, VIP at a finance company in the city, um, walked away from that, set an app up company, up company in China, the Chinese government invested, very wealthy guy, invested in properties, he's a trader, now he's got his own hedge fund, and um, so another individual I'm very grateful to be connected with. So again, along the learn journey, I'm just learning all these lessons, I wish someone taught me this before, I've learned it through paid. <laughs> But it's, it's more fun. It makes more exciting, journey, right? Otherwise, it's boring. So at least I've got a story to tell. And I found facts tell, stories sell. Everyone's got a story. So share your story because your story, story could really impact other people and there's lessons in there to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kept moving forwards, um, kept failing forwards, trying to do different things. And then along the journey, became a personal trainer, got into nutrition, looked at diet, looked at nutrition, Uh, radio presenter, public speaker, consultant. I was operating as a trusted confidant for business owners, business leaders, investors, and clients. Uh, But I was broke. I was making other people money, but I was broke. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, headhunted uh, again by another um, individual uh, to raise finance and work in the finance sector. This was around January 2020. And I was not in a good space. And I said, all these people are taking from me. And he said, James, are they taking or are you giving take responsibility? I said, I'm giving. He said, I said, well, what do I do? He said, you've got two options. He said, you stop giving, stop caring. But he said the danger of that is you lose the essence of who you are because your vulnerability is your strength. I yeah. said, What's the other option. He said, well, you just surround yourself with people that you can trust that have you back. I said, yeah, well, that's what I've been trying to do. He said, well, you've got poor judgment then. <laughs> can't argue with that. So yeah. it itself and what was going on around me. Yeah. I looked at that and then I was raising finance for people in tech companies. Two of my personal friends that have become brothers to me now. Uh, one of them uh, was a former tech advisor for Ken Livingston when he was the mayor of London. He actually advised a congestion charge. He doesn't tell people because um, it's not popular. He was a former <laughs> tech advisor for the Met Police during the London Olympics. He actually looked after the surveillance. Former tech advisor for the NHS any tech medical products come in that he didn't authorize got rejected. And he actually built cities. The guy is a genius. Um, he did a PhD in AI for geriatrics. Um, his father passed away from dementia, had a really bad episode with his grandmother and that really triggered him emotionally. He walked away from a 200 K a year salary to up his own business, incredible product. And I helped him raise finance. Didn't quite work out, but the relationship we built is like a brother to me yeah. and just- have you heard of AstraZeneca? Yes, yes, absolutely. The vaccine.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah I never heard of them before. I heard of them two weeks ago and that three things happened. The first thing is obviously the vaccination. Second thing is my friend, AstraZeneca has invested £700,000 into his business. So that's quite significant. And I'm connecting these people and I operate them as a consultant. So mm-hmm. I have really good connections. And then um, I that was 2019 uh, kept trying to make money. Nothing was working out. I was building business, doing my coaching, and then I got a job at Acado. 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I did some silly stuff in 2018. Oh my god! <laughs> so basically, when this is after I went to Cannes. So it's mm-hmm. no real order. Everything's coming back to. Me. I'm thinking, what <laughs> the did I do back then? Oh my god! Yeah. So, I talk about this, but I will because you've got to help people. So absolutely. After I had the seizure in Cannes, came back to the UK uh, and obviously uh, the guy I was in real estate with, he called up my mum, he was really scared and my mum was calm and then I was okay. Came back to London in 2018, March time. What had happened was we'd taken that £300,000 equity from mum and dad's house. We put that into a project and he was paying the mortgage. So the property was safe and he was paying me £1,500 each month. But basically he was paying me with the interest we were supposed to be getting anyway. So he got to me to work for him for free, basically.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, Exploitation at its best. I've still got a relationship with him, but these are successful business people. This is what they do. Yeah. And, um, He stopped the payment because I wasn't working for him anymore. And I was like, wow. So he stopped this interest, which I should be getting anyway, but because I wasn't working, he stopped the payment and I didn't have money coming and couldn't pay my bills. I went into deep stress. And the thing is, if we're, uh, under stress for prolonged periods of time, then it's not healthy. Short stress is good, prolonged stress, your body releases, hormones, cortisol, your IQ is reduced by 50%. Now what's happening in the world. Now people have been under stress for 12 months. People aren't thinking straight. I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories, but for me, Corona isn't a pandemic. People are making poor choices. There's a lot of things going on. So rewind back to 2018. I just want to get out of my house because I love my run down to bits, but I was living with them, but I needed my own space. So um I connected with someone. Oh my god.
0: <laughs>
1: with someone on uh, on an online platform. That's all I'm saying. When I was in Cannes, met them in London, met them the first time. We just kind of connected, and um she uh was had her own place, she'd been very successful, had gone through a divorce. And, uh, she's an amazing soul as well. And basically, uh, where she had her beauty salon in Mayfair, uh, there was a guy there every day. who used to work at prep Now she found, she found him homeless at one point. Mm. And, um, she felt sorry for him. She got him to come and live with her. Just a big heart. How many people do you know to do that? Not many people. So, yeah. um, I connect with her and then. I said, let's go away together, right? And nothing happened romantically, but there was a kindred spirit. So she had uh, a spare room there, and I want to get away from home. She said, why don't you move in? So I went to stay there, and then this guy was living downstairs, um, and he was homeless, basically. And it became problematic where he wasn't paying anything. He smelled really bad, and he was stealing her food as well. She was trying to help him, but uh, you can't help people who don't want to help themselves. yeah. So- basically what happened was cut a long story short I'd got in there and um I said listen we need to have a conversation and spoke to this guy and I said listen this is acceptable you can't live here anymore so basically I helped her get rid of him and I took his spot (laughs) (laughs) I completely forgot about that oh my god I was was living there and then um uh she had some issues. I borrowed a thousand pounds off a friend who I'm still paying back, who doesn't even know about this, to yeah. out. And then basically, I was in a tight spot. So I got two. I got a payday loan out from George Banco. It was like 10000 pounds. And then I was using that to live basically. And then um, this was in Sidcup, so I moved to Sidcup. And uh, it's difficult there without a car. So I said, let me get a car. So I went to get a car. I could. not And we were living above. A, a car basically um showroom i could have got a cheap car for a couple of thousand pounds or 1500 pounds but mm-hmm. i was no no let me get a nice car because i want to build business because you gotta have an image right so yes, my, yeah so what i did was i went looking for a car my dream car was a mercedes uh e350 black convertible so i was mm-hmm. looking for that found a showroom got my mum to come along and basically not enough that i've got Uh, how money from the house to try and do business. I got my mum's credit and I got a car on lease, which is about 24,000 pound car. So, Oh my God, all this stuff is coming back to me now. Bloody hell. So I got that car on finance and, um, I was well within my out of my means so don't go beyond your means don't 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 do it because it all ego and insecurities and i was trying to do these things and i got the car but what i noticed was people were treating me differently because they saw the car i was saying the same things before but now because i got the car they were taking me serious so because i had the car i was trying to use that as a brand to build a business mm. um wasn't working out that way because i was attracting the wrong people just mm. be yourself, be genuine and not only that, but my friend that I was living with, she had a gambling problem I didn't know. Her brother was in business. He gave her £5,000 to put in the bank. She went to the gamb- uh, she went to a casino and she was trying to win it back. She lost everything. And then it was crazy. And she was in a tight spot. She was going to commit suicide. And I was trying to get her to do business with. So I was thinking, all right, let me help her out with this. And then we can do business together. I got my mum to take out another t- £10,000 loan from um, basically a... Um, another payday loan company on my name she was a guarantor and i took five thousand pounds off that and just paid off um her gambling thing to her brother and again it was crazy of me to do that trying to help other people out and then um money was running out and i got my mom to take out another loan from lloyd's bank for ten thousand pounds so it was like but i was in a crazy spot doing crazy things and it's putting a lot of pressure on mum and dad and mum and dad didn't do the best for me but they've done what they could but what they had was love and even my dad was saying to me don't get in debt and what i did then was um crazy and it's just looking back it was like don't do things like this please 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 it's crazy so then i was driving the car i was running out money quickly i was at the gym um virgin active so i was living way beyond my means on the surface everyone because i taught the talk um i looked successful. I could hang around millionaires, but when they start seeing the strings unraveling, they were like, wow, this dude's not like us. Mm. So what happened was things are getting very desperate at this point. And then I got a job, I got a job working at a Cardo and I loved it because I was uh, driving, uh, the van and I was um, helping people out and I was getting income coming in. So that was good. And I had the car and I was building business on the side. So August, uh, um no it was 2018 three years ago february time um i went to the gym and um sorry chronologically the order comes and goes but uh just bear with me yeah so february 2018 i'd gone to the gym session of virgin active in the morning had a 45 minute intense session um sauna steam room swimming had meetings during daytime and then basically um had a gym, meeting during the day, gym session in the evening, 45 minute, uh, workout intense sauna, steam room, swimming, still couldn't switch off, had acupuncture, cupping, uh, Thai massage, still couldn't switch off, had a radox bath at home. I still couldn't switch off. I couldn't sleep. And I phoned out one of my friends who's an expert and he was like, dude, you need to get that sorted out because he said that's not normal. So that's why I was having the seizures. This mm. is for my seizures with dehydration, lack of sleep. Sometimes I was going three days with only three hours sleep and high levels of stress. And I didn't understand that. So my body kept falling apart. Now, February 2018, um, one of my business partners and friends had found this solution. He was telling me about it. I wasn't interested. Six months, he kept telling me. He was very successful, had a great track record. August 2018, he met and he bought this solution for me to use. And I thought it'd be rude to refuse, right? Not to mention ungrateful. And I thought he bought it. Let me try it. So it was a solution that you drink. Tasted really weird. I didn't like the taste of it. But what I noticed was on the seventh day, I went to sleep at 5pm and I slept right through to am the next morning. And for me, that was life changing. I was like, wow, I didn't know what the hell this thing was, but it was helping me. I spent about six to nine months researching it. And as I was working at a Cardo, I was driving the van. And when I was driving in my car as well, I was driving about five to six, seven hours a day. And basically, I was listening to all the content I was researching. So I was filling my mind with five to six hours of positive content a day. So, although I was in a very stressful position and a stressful environment, we have to feed our mind with good information. So, it doesn't matter what's going on around you, feed your mind. So, I'll give you another story analogy. Imagine you to drink a glass of water with a drop of poison in it. If you were to drink it, we'd most probably die or be in hospital for months on end, right? The mm-hmm. same. Quantity of poison in a swimming pool is negligent, it'll have no effect, right? Because the volume of water negates it. So the analogy is the poison is our negative influence, the water is our positive influence. So I've come to realize there's a certain amount of negativity in my business, my work, my friends, my family, my parents, your significant other, Mm -hmm. and all in yourself. You can't eradicate it. So don't try to. is I feel myself with so much positivity. I read positive books, I listen to positive podcasts, I hang around people like you. I don't watch the news, I don't watch the radio, I don't care what's happening with corona. Not that I don't believe in it, I'm just not interested. And I don't hang around negative people. Environment is critical. The most effective way to change your life is to change your environment. And this is quite um, scary and concerning. There was a study done to show that, obviously we know plants get this energy through photosynthesis in the sun but it's not the only way it also gets the nutrients through the ground through the plants and um, through the roots mm-hmm. and also, yeah through water but plants they've proven scientifically that plants can also get its energy from other plants so what does this mean let's say you've got a forest and the plants in the ground and the sunlight comes in, it hits one of the plants, that plant grows stronger. The other plants don't get the sunlight, so it doesn't grow as strong. What will happen eventually is the weaker plants will feed off the stronger plant until the stronger plant no longer exists. And the energy from the strong plant is distributed amongst the weaker plants and the weaker plants grow. What's scary is they found that this also correlates to human beings. Wow. Okay. People say you're an average of the five people that you're around. That's true. But this that I'm sharing with you is even more critical, more powerful to protect your surroundings. Mm. Your is a key. We are energy, whether we like it or not. So we got to be very careful of our environment and surroundings. And if I've learned nothing else through lockdown, it's mm. the importance of our environment and our surroundings. Yeah. If you're in an environment that's toxic, it doesn't matter how positive you are. It doesn't matter how good you are, it will wear you down. It will destroy you. And that's what happened to me my whole life. And I understand that now. I had to go through so much pain to learn that. So it's important to protect your peace of mind, your heart, and your gut as well. So um, these are key things to understand. So over a period of time, people noticed indifference in me and uh, because I was taking the solution. And they said, um, You've changed. And I said, What do you mean change? I said, Your energy's different. I said, What do you mean different? They said your energy shifted. I said, Listen, I don't know what you're talking about. They said, Don't take this the wrong way. We've always loved you, but in the past your energy was too intense. You never switched off. You weren't present. You didn't listen. You couldn't get a word in edgeways. And it was draining being around you for long periods of time. Now that's not healthy feedback. Yeah. It, feedback, but it's not positive and um i was like wow i said why didn't you tell me before and they said we told you many times you didn't listen and i was like oh wow and um because i was in my own mind and i said what about now they said now your energy is balanced you're grounded you're present you're listening it's a joy being around you it's like you're a different person what have you done what have you changed i was like i don't know because i wasn't tracking what i was doing but looking back the only thing that i changed was i started taking this product yeah, and I was like, okay, so I need to understand what this is. So, um, I started selling the products and what I realized was, wow, this is life changing. So basically without getting too much science, we've got molecules in our cells. These mm-hmm. facilitate cell to cell communication. We're born with it. Mm-hmm. Once our teens, our body stops producing as much of these molecules. Mm-hmm. After, every 10 years, our body produces 10% less of these molecules. That's why children heal quicker than adults. See, uh, same. That makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. So point to the mix, poor diet, poor nutrition, stress, pollution, um, negativity around you, lockdown, Corona, our bodies under attack. That if we lived in the perfect utopia environment where we had fresh fruit, fresh vegetation, no 2G, no 3G, no 4G, no 5G, or we're protected. No negativity. We're in nature. We meditate 20 hours a day. We live like gods, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't have that luxury living in the environment we were in. We got to do the best we can to protect our energy, protect ourselves, protect our family and filter out negativity and toxicity. So this is really key. And I gave a podcast last week on toxic health mm. to lose weight, eat less, exercise more, it's not rocket science. Most people don't do that. Why there may be the anomaly or the exception to the rule, like myself, where you've got issues, you've got to figure that out, but on the whole, it's easy. Cut out crap, cut out sugar, cut out uh, alcohol, cut out things that aren't good for you. You go to the supermarket, 97% of the food in the supermarket is not even for human consumption. And they've done a study in the 1940s where they took um, a bowl of spinach, and that was enough for our recommended daily allowance they done the same study 50 years later and guess how many bowls of spinach were required to give the same recommended daily allowance of nutrients and vitamins. Take a guess. Ten. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: how many? Ten. Yeah, it, it wasn't ten. It was actually 47. Whoa. <laughs> so, so what that means... Is the food that we're eating today is nutritionally depleted. And it's important to understand that. What that means is, even if you're eating organic, all it means is no there's no pesticides, there's no herbicides, it's uh, sprayed. But with Corona, organic, you can't even trust organic now. I don't trust anything because you don't know what's going on. Mm. So, what's important to understand is whatever we're consuming into our body, even if it's good, and most of the time, let's face it, it's not, it's depleted because consumption, volume, business, we're taking so many nutrients out of the soil, it's not being irrigated. um, And it's not being returned to the soil, we are consuming the planet, we are destroying the planet. And that's why even if you're eating healthy, it's essential that you supplement with vitamins, minerals and nutrients, because you are simply not getting enough of your food. And I don't, the more I've learned, the less I speak, because people have got their own opinions. And I'm not here to Convince, pitch yourself. I'm just here to raise awareness and educate people.